Good morning. Delighted you could join us this morning. We're having a little bit of weather going through in here in Naples right now, and you may hear the thunder. Uh, it, yeah, did you hear that? I just heard some right now. So you may hear that, maybe not. I don't know. It depends on whether my mic is picking it up or not. But if you do, we're just going to go right ahead. Anyway, it's a thing that happens almost every day during the summer here in Naples in southwest Florida. We just learn to live with it, and we know it'll pass through pretty soon. All right, today I'd like for you, if you would, if you would find your Bible, and I'd like for you to open your Bible to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. So it's the fifth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts. And it's the Acts of the church, of the apostles, of what they did. So Acts chapter 8, I'd like you to pick up the story, and we're going to begin with the very first verse, okay? Acts chapter 8, verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. When the persecution happened, the Christians, they left town and got out of the way of the persecution. If you're familiar with, they just moved north up into Samaria, where the Samaritans were, up around Jacob's Well, or into other parts around outside of the main area of Jerusalem. Well, we might ask, well, what day is that? Well, it was a very specific day, actually. It was a very specific day because that happened to be the day that Stephen, who we think of as the first Christian martyr, that he was stoned with Saul, who has became quite a figure in the New Testament, in that he was the one who later became Paul, the greatest Christian missionary the church has ever known. So here is this incident where Stephen is being stoned, and it seemed as if that gave permission for Saul to go out and to attack Christians wherever he could find them. And so people just spread like crazy. But I'd like you to just skip down a couple of verses, and we're just going to look. Would you notice this as we look in verse 4? Acts 8, verse 4. Just skip down just a little bit. The F there on your screen means and following, that verse and following. So just follow along. Verse 4. Those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. There was something about the experience of having seen Jesus crucified, resurrected from the dead, seen the persecution of the church, seen the miracles, everything that transpired in that time. There was something about it that lit them on fire, and they went everywhere into Samaria and Judea, spreading the gospel, the word, and they preached about what Jesus, wherever they went, wherever they happened, they happened to, do you know the story? And they would tell the story. There's a hymn in our hymnal and many other hymnals that has take the name of Jesus with you. And that's exactly what happened. Take the name of Jesus with you. If you know it, maybe you can sing it along, but take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then where you go. Precious name, oh, how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. They had that experience that they took the name, the precious name of Jesus, and wherever they went, they began to share and talk about it and preach it and give it to others all around them. The scattering then took the message of Jesus 
to places that it weren't there before. That often happens when persecution happens. And when they're scattered and people are spread out, they take the message with you. Those who have been scattered preached the word. I emphasize that. They preached the word. They went everywhere telling everyone the story of Jesus. The story of Jesus. Now, there are several phrases that we use when we talk about the story of Jesus. Sometimes we'll say, as it's used there, the word. Now, the word could mean the message. It could also mean Jesus, because Jesus was called the word in John 1.1. So the word, the story of Jesus, the good news, or the gospel, which is shortened for good news, there was something powerful about it that uplifted people, that made them happy, that brought joy to them, and they were so excited about it, they shared it with others. All right, back to Acts chapter 8, verse 5. You there with me? 8, verse 5. And Philip, who was an apostle, a disciple of Christ, Philip went to the, a city in Samaria, and proclaimed the Messiah there, or the anointed one, or the Christ there. He went to the city in Samaria. We don't know which ones, and he proclaimed the Messiah there. And when crowds heard Philip and saw the great signs he performed, they were all paid close attention then to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirit, spirits came out, and many and many were paralyzed and are lame, and they were healed. Amazing. Do you see that? That kind of message, that kind of story, that kind of healings that happened, along with the message that they were preaching, along with what they were saying, is very similar to what Jesus said his mission was here on earth. When Jesus went to Nazareth after he had been baptized, after he'd gone through the temptations, he showed up at, at Nazareth. If you remember the story, in Luke chapter 4, he talks about he went in and they said, well, stand up and read. Here, read this. And so he opened the book to Isaiah, and he read this out of the passage of Isaiah, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim, there it is, Proclaim good news to the poor. You see the connection there with what happened later? He sent me, Jesus said, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and to recover the sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Just like Jesus, they went to share this. And where they went, and Philip preached, and the things that Philip did, the miracles and the healings, drew people's attention to the message that they were being shared. And the Bible says in verse 8 of uh, Acts 8, it says, so there was great joy in that city. Great joy. Can you imagine? Great joy as they saw this for the first time they were seeing things that were happening and changing people's lives. They, life made an incredible change with the ministry of the apostles coming to them, and they saw a dramatic change in their lives, and then what happened? Well, just about 10 days or so ago, a group of us, uh, our church board and a few others, we got together here on a Tuesday night, and we were 
speculating and thinking, you know, this COVID-19 thing, this pandemic has, has really limited our experience of getting together for worship. And we could say, well, look at how we're beaten down. Look how the terrible things that we're seeing. Is this, this COVID moment, an opportunity for us as a church family? Is this a time that we can move forward and do something different? And, and so we begin to think together and talk together because we recognize that people are worried. They're worried about getting sick, getting the pandemic. Particularly us that are in opera and age, we are, we're concerned. We want to be incredibly careful, don't we? But there's also racial tension that's going on. Things that are happening. There's a socialism movement that's going across our country. And People are worried of what's going to happen. Have you ever seen a time like this? It seems like this is extraordinary, what's going on in our world and in our country. So we might think as we were talking together, and I'd like for you to think along as well, what would bring hope? What would bring hope and joy to our community, to your community? What would it that would bring that type of joy? What would bring joy to our city of Naples? Oh, we may be not in it like they are in Chicago or in New York or in Portland, if you've been following the news in Portland, Oregon. We don't have that happening here, but we do feel the COVID. We do feel the racial tension here. We do feel the distress, and people are worried and concerned. I talk to people all the time about that. So what would bring the joy the joy that they had in Samaria to Naples. What would that be like? What would bring about such a dramatic change? What would do that? Certainly when Philip went and he preached and what he did brought an incredibly dramatic change and turned that city from sadness into joy. So what would bring about a change like that? Well, in our session, Steve uh, Krivda, maybe some of you know him, Danielle's husband, Steve, Steve got up and he helped us walk through. He did an exercise with us. And he started off with this question, which I thought was incredibly insightful. He said, what would we like our church to look like in July 2023? Three years from tonight, what would we like our church to look like? And that began to get us thinking, well, what would we like it to look like? What would we like it to be? And he said, what do we see? What do we see if we were looking three years down the line of where we would like our church to be, or any church, your church as well, if you are not here in Naples, what would you like it to be? Who would be here in the church? Who would be meeting here? Assuming that COVID would be over, of course. What's happening as you were looking around? What, what would be happening within the church, he asked. How would we uh, be seen and understood by our community? What are we doing? What would be our ministries? And what are we really standing for? What would be that? I thought those were excellent things that he asked as we were thinking and rolling together. And he began to write furiously on a whiteboard. And on that whiteboard, here's a picture of that whiteboard. I know you can't read it, but you can see how many things came up and responded to what people were saying. I'm just going to give you a hint of some of the things that happened, okay? Just a hint. There are more than this, but 
the ideas and the things just flowed forward as people were looking and saying, what would we like to see in three years? Well, part of the list said lots of young adults and families, many baptisms, of course, that would be wonderful, all sharing the same vision of what we are doing. We're moved by love. That would be our motive of our ministry. Sports for kids and teens, particularly we have a lot in our community, in our area that certainly could use some place to play. The community knows that we value them and that we care for them and that we're here for them. We'd like to create a vertical experience with God. Uh, we're people friendly. We'd like to see ourselves as people friendly. Outdoor concerts, because we have a place where we could have it here in our community, right next door to our church on our lawn. Mentoring of youth and adults, which is a doorway to helping people grow in their experience. More workers than seat warmers. <laughs> More people helping and getting involved, which is a key to ministry, instead of just sitting and watching. A place where God is the only judge. Wow. As I looked at that list there and reviewed the list, I went, oh, that is amazing. That is an amazing list. When I left, I was excited about that. I was excited. I think everybody who was here was excited about that list and think, look at the possibilities. Look what we could be in three years, how we could make that happen and get there and making that change that would need to happen, that, that growth that would be such incredible for everybody. And it would bring joy and happiness, I think, to our community, to our world, and to our people as well. Okay. So this is entitled The Black Magic of Samaria, all right? So go back to Acts 8, go back to Acts 8. I want to pick up the story, and we're going to look at verse 9. Acts chapter 8, verse 9. Remember, Philip was out preaching, and he was doing the miracles, and they were seeing this, and they were excited about that. And so now, here's what happened. So now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. And they followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery with his black magic. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure there was some spiritualism involved. I'm sure the kind of things of making things here, maybe sleight of hand. I don't know if he had a crystal ball. I don't know that. But he was doing the magic arts. He was doing sorcery, all tied together. And people think, oh, this man has incredible power, incredible insight. Maybe he was reading palms. Maybe he was saying, read your thoughts type of thing. We, we don't know. But he was into sorcery. And all the people gave him great respect and said, oh, this man, this man is, is incredible as he was in town. And he had the admiration of everyone in Samaria. Next verse, verse 12, but, did you get that? But Philip came to town. But when they believed Philip and his preaching, and he proclaimed the good news. There it is, the good news of the kingdom of God. And the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, 
both men and women. So not only did he do the healings, but the real purpose of Philip there was to proclaim the good news and the good news of the kingdom and the name of Jesus. He told the story, the powerful story of Jesus, what happened and why that was important to them and how it took care of the sin problem and how it would give them eternal life through Jesus Christ and how they could trust in him for their salvation. That's what Philip was preaching to them. Both men and women were baptized, the Bible says. Verse 13, Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. He was astonished by that as he followed. He saw, wow, I can't do that. I can't do those healings. I can't do those miracles. I can't do those signs. Wow, and he followed him and he was baptized. I want to have a part of that. I want to be part of that. But I have to ask the question, was it, was it the uh, healings, the signs, the miracles? Or was it the message that Philip gave? Uh, for some, for some I would suppose that they like the great signs and the miracles. Certainly Jesus had that experience as people would follow him. And as long as he was doing the miracles and healing and so forth, he had a great crowd. But when he talked about take up your cross and follow me, a lot of people say, oh, that's not for me, and they left him. But some, some probably followed because they saw the great signs and the miracles. But others, but others, what they saw was the good news of the kingdom of God and of Jesus Christ. And that changed their lives. I believe that is what brought great joy to that city. It was the story of Jesus. Because when somebody really understands what Jesus did for them and how he took care of our evilness and our sin problem and that we can be forgiven and made right before God and how we can have eternal life today, living with Jesus now, that experience, that change, changes people's lives and gives them great joy. It certainly did for me. It made living the Christian life such a wonderful experience for me. Once I understood what Christ really did for me. <coughs> Verse 18. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Well, what happened was <coughs> some of the apostles came over. They, they laid their hands on They received the Holy Spirit. When he saw that, he said, I want to have that power. I want to be able to do that. I want to add that. And so he offered them, here, I'll give you money if you will teach me, show me how to do that. So what he really wanted was to add that power of the Holy Spirit as if he could dispense it and add it to his bag of tricks. He wanted to add that to it. wanted to have that. Have you been watching uh, America's Got Talent? I don't know, it's with the COVID, you know, and you can't go out and catch up on a lot of things. <laughs> well, America's Got Talent, excuse me, America's Got Talent show. They start these people out and they try and they say, well, that's a good thing, but in order to advance, you must do more things. You must have something more. 
And so they encourage them to develop more things for them, to be more amazing. We seem to need to have something more and more and more spectacular. Well, that's exactly what Simon wanted. Simon wanted to have something more spectacular. He wanted to have that gift of the Holy Spirit so he could have more power over the people and that people would hold him in even deeper respect. But he missed the whole point. He missed the whole point. I noticed that on the board, there was no looking for miracles. There was no looking to make ourselves grander. There was no self selfishness there. There was no looking for how we can look better in the community. It was, what can we do to help the community? And as we talked and as we responded, Steve, as he got through it, said, this is the church that I want to go to. That's what I want to be. That kind of church excites me. And you know, it does me too. That kind of experience does excite me as well. It gets me excited about what to happen. I want to see what we can be in three years to fulfill what was there. And maybe you have ideas. What can you do? What can you do? As you're listening to this, what can you do? Well, in actual fact, I'd like you to get into the discussion with me, would you? Just think about it. What would you like your church, if you're here in Naples, what you would like our church to look like in three years? What would you add to that list? What would you give to that? You say, well, here's what I would like our church to look like. What would it be? And you can send that to me here at my website, uh, my um email address, you can send those suggestions to me or put it on the website. It doesn't matter. Or as you're watching, just drop it. We'll take notes. Uh, we would love to hear, what would you do if you were sitting and looking and say, well, what kind of church would bring happiness to our community, to our, to our world? What would that look like in three years? And what would that do? And the question then would be, how can we make it happen now? How can we work towards that? Well, because we start now. We start small, we start with what we can, and we start moving in the direction of helping the community around us. I believe, I believe that this COVID-19 has given us a great moment for us to kind of reassess, relaunch ourselves, to be able to bring joy and happiness to the millions of lives that are in our world to the thousands that are in our community, as they would learn to what Jesus has done for them and how they could see how Jesus wants to save them and make their life. It was the message that Philip preached that brought the true lasting joy to those Samaritans. It wasn't the, the miracles, which were grand. It wasn't the healings because, you know, the people eventually died but they had their hope in Jesus to have eternal life with him and to again be resurrected in his name and by his power. And to be forgiven and cleansed made all the difference in the world. It is of great joy. The gospel is the good news because of the great joy it brings to the heart that you've been forgiven and set free and that you can be made white as snow and that Jesus forgives you and takes you as his child. To me, that is what would excite our community. And if our community got excited, if our community had great joy, 
we would have great joy here as well. Oh, we have a pretty joyful group, and we're a happy group. But we would like to share the love of Jesus with others. To let everyone know God loves them, accepts them where they are, and forgives them. And they can be made right, no matter what they've done, no matter what their experience. And they can share in the great joy of Christ Jesus. So let me hear from you. Please send in your notes to me. I would love to read what you would have. How would you like this to look in three years, okay? How would you like it to be? And we will take those notes and we'll help develop a plan together as we work forward. Some of the ideas are already being implemented. And so I'm delighted to have this opportunity to, to relaunch, to, to rebirth, as it were, to grow again in helping our community. Pray with me. Dear Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you have empowered Philip as he went and preached in Samaria. That many experienced you and experienced the joy of knowing you as their Savior and Lord. That joy can only come from that relationship of knowing what you've done for them and to be forgiven and made right. Lord, may that be the experience here. We have people, whether they know it or not, are hungering and thirsting for a better world, a better life, to be happy inside, to be secure in your arms. We ask you, Lord, to help us with that. We surrender ourselves, we surrender our church family to you. Please open the door and let us follow you wherever you are leading us. In Jesus' name, amen.